Uh, hold on to your pants. This is going to go downhill in a hurry. Uh, and you know that I'm Tennessee fans are very near and dear to my heart, Clint. Well, they're near to your to your heart, just in locale. Took a 20-minute deuce in their underwear. Don't do a drinking game right now with the word fine, because you won't have a table. Like overarching cat poster statements? Train off rails, warning signs, not not joy. You're not little lambs. You are depraved goats. And I'm sure the listeners were outraged. I can't even... The hate mail that we've been receiving, like freaking Dan Mullen's pants. <laughs> Welcome to Talking Dogs. I'm Clint. And I'm Daniel. And we're two guys who love UGA sports. One of us is from the South. And one of us is from the West Coast. One of us is a lifelong Georgia fan. One is a more recent convert. But we both share a borderline obsessive, often ridiculous desire to see UGA succeed just like you do. This podcast is a place to talk about the dogs the way you would at a tailgate, in your backyard, or over a drink with your friends. Are we insiders? Nah. Do we have lofty recruiting connections? Nope. We are just two guys who love talking about the dogs. So let's talk. Hello and welcome to episode 58 of the Talking Dogs podcast. I am Daniel. And I'm Clint. Clint, spring practice is well underway. It is. March Madness is one weekend in the books. Uh, have you stepped away from your television and or computer uh, for the last 72 hours? Daniel, I know that NASA has some incredible setups. Like, like if you're at, in Texas watching that thing go off into space... Uh, I know they got a good setup, but but my command center around my chair is quite mm. impressive. Okay, the remote—that's what I like to hear. The iPads, the iPhones, the computers, just all the screens and all the things. Uh, I was in lockdown mode, Daniel, this weekend. You, you gotta be favorite moment from the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. Did uh, you have a? Uh, well, right now for for me uh, was two missed layups in the final seconds against Duke. Thank you, UCF. Uh, that's that's just my word. Golly. What I got, a heartbreak! What a heartbreak! What a him. heartbreak for those kids at UCF. Man, they played so they played so well. Uh, that I didn't realize it until because I was I was catching up on all these things and I had a couple things on mute. And anyway, it was only uh, midway through the game that I finally realized UCF's uh, sharpshooter, who was just hitting every three in the world, uh, was Coach's kid. Uh, Man, that guy had a game of his life. Didn't he? He just couldn't miss. No, he could not miss. Um, My favorite moment of the tournament was watching Tennessee sweat. Oh, my word. I think. Goodness gracious. The Tennessee fans, uh, and you know that I'm... Tennessee fans are very near and dear to my heart, Clint. Well, they're near Uh, to your your heart. In locale. but But the amount of of conversation that I have to hear about this Tennessee basketball team and how elite they are and how unbeatable they are. And then they built up that 25-point lead against Iowa. What happened? And then they just took a 20-minute deuce in their underwear on national television in front of God and everybody and uh, and had to go to overtime to win that game. Man, I was, it would have killed my bracket. 
But I was really pulling for Iowa, man. You would have sacrificed that. Come on now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Once the tournament gets rolling, I don't care about the bracket. I fill out the bracket. I put my money on the line. I Uh love to have a good time. But the tournament's bigger than whatever 20 bucks I've got on some sort of a, on some sort of a pool. Yes, it is. Uh, and so when UCF is threatening to beat Duke, man, I'm all on team UCF. Give me, Mm -hmm. give me more of that. Give me more taco. Um, First of all, that's, that's the unofficial motto of my life. Give me more taco. I don't, Daniel, Uh, I would, nay, I would say that's not unofficial. I think that has become very (laughs) official. I need that printed on some sort of merchandise. NCAA tournament obviously in full swing, but that's not yeah. the real news that we're here to talk about because Georgia's not in the NCAA tournament this year. Georgia is, in fact, practicing uh, in Athens. They're out on the practice fields. They're in pads. They are in they're pads. Up, they're putting the jerseys on. Some things are popping. We're getting some videos from the athletic department that uh, there may or may not be a hole in my wall just from a place where... Uh, where I just absolutely ran right through it when I watched one of those videos. Just could not contain myself. Uh, they did an Oklahoma drill, and these these cats are getting after it already, Daniel. That Oki drill with uh, you got you got an alley, you got to get through the other man to get the other side, and mm-hmm. they are up to the task. Did you said. see Jordan Davis? I mean, do you see that man? That is. There's something not right about that. You look at Taco Fall and you look and you say like, "There's something wrong." Even right. if there were no other people in the picture, and you couldn't, you didn't have any point of reference as to how big they were. You just look at him and you go, "Nope, there's something not normal about this guy." It's that's how I feel about Jordan feeling. Davis. Yes, that's how I feel about Jordan Davis. You see him and you go, "Hang on now, this one's not. This one is not like the other something- one." Something is not like the other. What is happening? Let's let's go down. Tell me what fits, what doesn't fit. And Jordan Jordan Davis doesn't fit in a lot, people. There's not no, a lot. He does he can, not. He can get in. Not a lot of categories that he that he neatly tucks into. Nope. Uh, not a lot of not a lot of small SUVs that he neatly tucks into, for that matter. It's just not. Nope. A, not an easy thing to be that guy. Uh, any thoughts? takeaways from spring practice so far clint uh daniel the, a couple of them one i know you're going to be excited about uh did you get the eyes on the report of the newest emergence of slot receiver at uga i saw a bit about this okay. i saw a bit about this help the people out in case they didn't see it if you didn't pick it up uh the slot position uga we have some tall 50-50, go up and get them type receivers on this team. JJ being one, uh, transfer Miami being two. We got a couple of guys that they're gonna go up and get it on the sidelines. <clears throat> old pick, old Pickens coming in. Pickens, old George, George Pickens coming in. Uh, which, by the way, George Pickens isn't that like Grapes of Wrath character? Isn't isn't George Pickens like a, a farmer in Grapes of Wrath or something like that? I got your grapes of wrath right here. If you're the SEC East, <laughs> I get you. That's, um, that's what that's what old George Pickens likes to say. Uh, but uh, not on slot, campus yet, though. No, not on campus. Um, slot position needing a little bit of help, and the emergence of Kyrus Jackson, Daniel, uh, mm-hmm. illuminated my eyes. And there are reports that he is settling himself right into that slot role. Uh, quick feet, great sure hands over the middle, getting five yard slants. 
doing option routes, picking the wide receiver or picking the linebackers pocket and then getting out. Uh, he's looking good. They're saying Daniel coaches are excited about him just putting himself right in position to get a lot of looks. Mm-hmm. If you'll recall, I believe, Clint, mm-hmm. am I wrong about this? Kyrus Jackson was our boy that won the shot put. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Am I right about that? So you get Kyrus Jackson. That's a smallish dude, right? In terms of height. Well, I you put but, ish on top of that. Let's just he's smaller. Okay, let's just let's just call it. He's smaller. It's fine. He's a smaller statured individual, which is great. Guys. But any any power? Is there any power in that? Uh, Huh. Any power in that uh, lower body of his? Uh-huh. He got he able to generate any force there? Look, he's not going to be afraid of anybody no. coming and no. trying to wrangle a ball out of his hands. He ain't gonna care about. Let's people. let's say Chauncey Gardner met him sure. in the middle of the field after he catches one of those slants. Sure, I like our chances. I really like our chances right really there. Really like our chances. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Kiaris Jackson's been a guy I've had my had my eye on uh, this entire offseason. I think he's really got an opportunity with Nicole obviously going to the pros uh, to step up and fill a role on this team. Obviously, you got Dominic Blaylock coming in, who's not on campus yet as well. But this is just an opportunity. Kiaris Jackson's going to have a leg up on him. He is. Because, because he's not here. Dom, Dominic Blaylock's not here in the spring. Uh, not going to be going through these drills. And so... Uh, this is an opportunity, I think, for him to carve out some playing time for himself. And I think we've talked about this, the wide receiver position. There's playmakers on this team. The oh, question is, who's go- who's going to emerge? So, excited uh, about this. One playmaker is, that, is that we are not. Us. But the other news coming out is the fact that uh, Cooley is already getting rave reviews from everybody on offense saying it's going to open a bit more. He likes taking chances, and every time last year – he was able to influence a passing decision to take a chance. Uh, it worked out well. Um, we're gonna get some. We're gonna get the balls in, into some guys' hands, and we're gonna have a couple of whoop moments that we're gonna be excited about. I'll, I'll be interested to see that. And and when I say interested to see that, what I mean is I'm very skeptical that anything that you just said is real. No, but I no. mean I understand that it's being reported. No, it's real, Dan. But there will be more. Okay, how about this? Just will we throw more this year than we did last year? Uh, we. We will not game plan to throw more than we did last year. No. If we do throw more than we did okay. did last year, it will be situation dictated. It will be okay. Yeah, but I think part of that, even that, part of that will be related to not necessarily Coach Coley, but it'll be related to the fact that we have a third-year starter instead of a second-year starter at quarterback. Uh, it'll be the fact that maybe nobody, maybe nobody in the running game has emerged. Maybe Zamir White is a little slower to get going in the early season, and. We're not looking to lean on Brian Herrien as much, and we're trying to get, you know, like uh, Kirby has always been adamant that the offense, is the role of the offense is to get the playmakers the ball. Right. And so, yeah, if there's more playmakers on the outside than there are in the backfield, I think okay. we, you might, might see us throw it. I don't think it has anything to do with Coach Coley, though. I really don't. You really and don't. And maybe I'm wrong. 
Maybe I'm wrong. But I think... Now, again, we've been on record saying we love UGA offense being first and foremost pound the rock. That's that's what we want to see. We want to see that continue going to set up the pass and then pass off of that. I just can't help but think we will have more passing attempts this year. Just on the feel of the culture and the feel of what's happening, I, I just can't help but imagine that's going to tick up and trend upward. Yeah, I, I, you could be right. I think if it is at the end of the season, I'm going to attribute it more to Jake Fromm than okay. I am to James to Jeff Coley, James Coley. His friends um, call him call him Jimbo. Yeah, J Dog. J Dog. <clears throat> uh, Zamir White. Speaking of speaking of the devil, what's he doing this uh, this spring practice? Is he is he entertaining us with uh, his athletic prowess, or is he jogging on a treadmill? Well, I, I don't even think a treadmill is yet appropriate for him, Daniel. I think the rubberized and metallic surfaces would be too much. Uh, nope, Zamir just hanging in shorts and a t-shirt, just chilling, just chilling. Chillin'. Uh, which you know what? Hey, uh, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not. I it's wanted fine. to see eyes. I wanted to get eyes on him. I wanted to see what he can do. I would much rather. It's fine, people. Don't it's be fine. upset. Don't it's be fine. mad. Uh, let him sit fine. over there. I feel like I'm saying fine a lot. It's fine, it's uh, fine. Daniel. You know when things aren't fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. They're not fine when you have to tell yourself they're fine. That's. It's totally fine, guys. It's totally fine. I'm sure. I'm sure he's going to be fine. I'm sure by the beginning of the season he's fine. I'm sure there's no reason to be concerned. It's probably fine. It's probably fine. There's nothing to read into it at all. It's fine. Don't do a drinking game right now with the word fine because <laughs> you want the table. Not appropriate for this particular podcast. No. Any other thoughts from the spring before we get into the heart heart of our episode today, Clint? Uh, I, I got first eyes on uh, Kirby's presser, very first day of practice. Mm. And he, right. was, yep. he was in rare form already. With the veiled communication, no, he, no, he and but and also I thought you were going to go this route. He he came out with the veiled communication, but also Kirby. Do you think Kirby knows about like the the widespread popularity of his maxims uh, and like overarching cat poster statements? Yeah. Because listen, Georgia fans, let's be willing to. This is just this is a safe space, okay. If I'm a rival fan base, I'm I'm making so much fun of Kirby Smart with just these motivational speech quotes. Listen, and I love them because it's Georgia and we're winning. Okay? But but listen to me, Georgia fans. If we stop winning, mm-hmm. you're going to hate these. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm not going to use the name Butch Jones stop. here. Stop. No. But train if we off rails warning signs. But if we stop winning, these are going to get very old for you very fast. But that being said, I love them. I love them. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm all in on Kirby. I uh, I need a moment, Daniel, because. I just, I just I, invoked the. I wasn't I just prepared. invoked the name of Butch. I know. I, I was. I came at you. I was setting you up to the left, and I just threw a haymaker in from the right, and Ooh. it's Ooh. not rattled you, rattled your cha- your cage a little bit right there. But, but I'm back. Okay. I'm back now. All right. 
Kirby's Kirby's in rare form at the presser. He is in he, rare form. Uh, listen, he knows he knows what's up. Yeah, this this man knows what's up. He, he knows does. that he's got better talent than any team in the SEC, with a possible exception of Alabama. He knows that the only thing standing between this team and yet another appearance in the SEC title game is motivation. That's it. And work ethic. And Daniel- those are the things. Those are the things he's going to make darn sure we have. Uh, if you have not seen the videos already of the workouts, of the, the weight room, of the po- the pads popping, uh, motivation is there, y'all. Okay? Uh, it's there. The, the vision. Players know what's at stake. Uh, and they know the only thing standing between them. Everybody has aspirations, which is a dangerous place to be. Right now, because everybody's talking natty, and it seems like this is the culmination of all the recruiting years and all the the groundwork. We've been there before, uh, so expectations are high, but but the hope is there from the players, and they are motivated already. You could yeah, tell. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, Clint, let's let's move away from this current team. For the time being, as we get closer to spring practice, we'll have more to say about this team, obviously, as we see more and hear more from them. One, one quick, hold, before we get, I, just, I saw this. Did you oh. see lines have already come out for a couple of games that we're going to play? I I did notice that. Okay. You want to get, are you ready to give the people some early locks? No, no, is that no. What you're, no. Is that locks. what you're trying to do? Because, because people, I know Notre Dame got embarrassed in the playoffs. I, I get that. Uh, but to be a which le- time? Yeah. Which time? The the. Hey, look. I guess it wasn't the playoffs. It was the title game in 2012. It wasn't the wasn't the playoffs what? yet. But look, you can get catfished all you want, and you could be a running joke. I get it. It's bad. Mm-hmm. All right. Touchdown. Jesus is looking down on you with shame, not not joy. Mm-hmm. You're not little lambs. You are no depraved goats. I get it. Uh, but. <laughs> To open as 11.5-point favorites against Notre Dame? That's disrespectful, Clint. That don't feel good, Daniel. That's disrespectful to the the Irish. And yet, would you take the Irish? No. And the points? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Nah. Don't. Hard. Don't want any part of that side. Hard pass. Listen, that line's going down, guys. Just wait it out, Georgia fans. Yes. If you think we're going to win this game by 12 points, you don't have to take it right now at 11 and a half nope. because that line's going down. Yeah. So people, there's some people from the Midwest are going to bet that thing hard. Do people from the Midwest, Daniel, have good objective fil- filters on things? Are they able to remove themselves from their <laughs> their heart's desire? Let's say, I don't it, like, know why we got to stereotype an entire region of the country right now i'm thinking of two cities right now okay one of which has the best leader in america teaching its youth okay uh ohio ohio state urban meyer oh correct greatest leader in america he at least is the leader with the most integrity he's not necessarily the best thank you you're correct but he is the leader with the most integrity uh all right i digress that was my little tirade in the moment uh Tight ends today, Clint. Mount Rushmore tight it ends. Is Mount Rushmore of UGA tight ends. Clint, I don't have to tell you, even though you are Johnny come lately to the UGA fandom. 
I don't have to tell you that there's been some dudes to walk through those yep. gates at Sanford Stadium who played the tight end position. Uh, there's been some guys that you that you do not want to mess with, either yep. in a football sense nor in a getting into an argument or an altercation with them sense. Because there's been some dudes that straight up could mess mess somebody up that have played tight end at Georgia. Um, coincidentally, two of my least favorite players of all time also play the tight end position. Might get to them in the honorable mentions. I feel as uh, though that's going to happen for sure. But let's get to tight ends of Mount Rushmore in case you were uh, just joining us, haven't heard the recent episodes. You can go back and listen to them. Um, uh, by the way, uh, we it's been a while since we've gotten a, a review on on the podcast, Clint. I just was I was looking at that the other day. Look, I know that uh, we are so good that you guys don't feel like we need to be told we're so good. I... No, you couldn't be more wrong about that, though. <laughs> you could, could be more wrong. Be more wrong. We about need that. told all the time. We are two insecure men. Look, we have to talk about UGA, and instead of just doing it just together, we just have to record it and let you listen so that you give us positive affirmation, okay? Yeah. In all reality, we don't offer very many ways that you can support this podcast. We're not we're not asking you for money, uh, nor do we plan on asking you no. for money. That's not why we started this podcast, to get your money from you, but... One way that you can support this podcast is to give us a rating and a review, and it happens to be free for you, and it happens to take no more than 10 seconds of your time. So if you give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, Also, when you're there, you can go back and listen to the previous few episodes where we have done our Mount Rushmore for UGA quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. our Mount Rushmore for UGA offensive linemen, and our Mount Rushmore for UGA linebackers. Uh, you might agree with them, you might disagree with them, but we don't care at this point because we're here to talk about tight ends. Four names, four faces, carved in granite, that are the most representative figures yep. for the UGA tight end position of all time. Clint, I'm going to give you the honor off the first tee, mm-hmm. and I'm going to let you get us started. Where are you going first? First name, instant Instantly popped in my mind. So again, part of this is not only on-field production, part of it is representing UGA well. It is post-collegial career as well. Some of it, not a lot, just some. Uh, Daniel, uh, a lot of these people I go to first uh, that I have to not be recency biased to is guys, players I knew without being a UGA fan. Uh, and Benjamin Watson, Daniel, Good mm-hmm. Lord have mercy. Talk about a man mm-hmm. with integrity. Talk about a man who don't complain, gets the job done. Uh, leading, uh, had 65 receptions for 852 yards, was on two SEC championship games, two all-SEC teams, uh, or I'm sorry, second all-SEC team as a senior, not two times second team all-SEC as a senior, uh, and just embodied what it meant to be a dog. Uh, mm-hmm. Amazing man. Uh, read a couple of excerpts from his book. Listened to him. Uh, dude is a dude's a good, good guy. Imposing force. Receiving tight end. Was on some good teams. 
first etched into granite, Ben Watson. Yeah, Clint, I I couldn't agree more. And this is a great example, once again, of how of why the Mount Rushmore of UJ tight ends is a separate list from the best, the four best tight ends in UJ history. Right. Because number one, Ben Watson was a better pro than he was a college player. He's had a better pro career than yeah. he had a college career. Number two, Ben Watson is a he's smarter than he is good at football. Like he's a, he's just a he's going to be a more successful post football player than he has been a football player. Like this guy's going to have a successful like he might be a politician, he might be a writer, By the way, he might be Ben Watson, like, you listen to this, run for an office somewhere, bro. I don't care what it is or where run for office somewhere today. The guy's got, yeah, the guy's just got it, and um, <clears throat> he's man of the year in the NFL. Like, I mean, he's he's just that guy. He's been respected by every person that he's ever come in contact with, that's ever played with him, that's ever played against him, uh, and he happened to be a pretty darn good football player yeah. for Georgia. Uh, that's all that's required to get on Mount Rushmore. He is by far, I think today the most representative face for uga tight ends uh that there is oh it's not even not the best no not the best but the most representative uh clint i'm going to go with the guy that i think is the best tight end to ever play at georgia uh and and that is big Randy McMichael. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Randy Randy McMichael, I I still maintain, is the best tight end to ever play at Georgia. And he has a special place in my heart. Um, one, he was a senior my my freshman year of college in 2001. And so I did get to see him play my freshman year under uh, in Mark Rick's first year in Athens. Um <clears throat> Randy McMichael began the tight end dynasty mm. at Georgia. Uh, he was the guy that, you, I mean, you realize there was a stretch there after Randy McMichael where we had a tight end drafted off of every team mm-hmm. that we had mm-hmm. for four or five different teams that included Ben Watson after him mm-hmm. and then on and on and on and on and Randy McMichael really got that going he had a great pro career uh but had a had a fantastic UGA career uh and was a especially in that 2001 season was a dominant force uh finished his career with 90 catches for for 1200 yards five touchdowns statistically not that great of a career <clears throat> But you look at the way, the number of targets he had versus the number yeah. of receptions he had. You look at the way that he dominated his opponents. Uh, a lot of that, you know, a lot of those low statistical numbers were due to the fact that he was playing under Jim Donnan in 1999 and 2000. I mean, just playing on some some tough teams. Uh, so, Randy McMichael, to me, I think belongs on this list because... 
more so because of what he did for the tight end position. I feel like he mm. made UGA tight end U for a whole season. Uh, and that's why I got Randy McMichael as my second name. Damn, that's a great one. I also have Randy McMichael on my Mount Rushmore. Uh, he was first-team freshman All-American 99. Uh, he was first-team All-SEC 01, drafted by the Dolphins, went on to play for a couple more teams uh, in his career. Uh, and this is another guy that it had notoriety nationally, not just regionally or not just even conference-wide. Uh, he was a well-respected guy. I don't know if he was the best, uh, but he's certainly on Mount Rushmore because he was very productive, very talented, uh, liked watching him play play for the Dolphins. Uh, Randy McMichael is my second name as well. Great choice. Daniel, I'm going to go to who I think is the best tight end All right. at, All right. at Georgia. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with just... Just numbers. Okay. Uh, the, I already know who you got. I already know who you got well, based on that. Maybe maybe you don't, Daniel. Uh, the leader for yards in receptions for tight end is 1,370. All right, all-time leader mm-hmm. tight end. Uh, but what if I was to tell you that somebody had nearly that many in just two years, not a four-year career, mm-hmm. Daniel? Uh, and that is, okay, then. that is Leonard Pope. Uh, Leonard Pope to okay. me is the greatest tight end in Georgia because for two years, 2000, Hello. 2004, 2005, uh, I'm sorry, did, did, did Randy McMichael make two all SEC teams back to back years? He did not. He did not. He did not. 04, 05, after McMichael ushered in tight end U at UGA, uh, Leonard Pope took the baton and said, I see you, uh, let me, I see you and I raise you. Give me 0405 all SEC. In two years' time, he had 64 receptions for 1,023 yards. Um, also, nickname is Champ, which uh, I feel like uh, is the stupidest nickname of all nicknames in the entire world. There's already that. That's already taken, bro. Like that. that, what, that what are you doing? That name's already taken. Like, you don't. Like, you I don't, don't get to be Champ. I... No. Hey. Hey. And P.S. That that guy, the guy who really is champ, doesn't play receiver position. He's still better at catching the ball than you. So maybe don't, maybe don't be, maybe don't call yourself that. So if, even if it was given to you, you know, Leonard, just just deny it. Just say no thanks. Mm-hmm. Pass on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of being a prolific tight end on the field, uh, Leonard Pope saved a boy from drowning, Daniel. Wow, that's that's something. Say, I mean, I I don't think I don't think I've saved a kid. You going deep? You going deep I'm in going the Leonard Pope's bio? Deep to, to pull that out. Uh, <laughs> you really are saved a kid from drowning. You really are. Um, has a charitable organization uh, called Champ, and he's given it's an acronym. It's it's given hope to underprivileged kids. Uh, my. Most prolific tight end as talent wise, not maybe the the head of Mount Rushmore is Leonard Pope. You called him the best tight end ever to play at UGA. That's what I just said. That's that's bold. Leonard Pope doesn't even get born if Randy McMichael doesn't come to UGA. <laughs> but whatever. We're not going to mess with timelines and and how that all works. I right know now, they're but... only separated by like four or five years, but 
That's but still. Okay, listen to me. Listen to me closely. Leonard Pope does not make my Mount Rushmore. You're foolish for UGA Titans. You're foolish. No, no. Listen to me closely, Clint, and I will explain to you what the reason that you got tripped up here. If I were coming, if I were going to come up with, and I just did in my head, if I were going to come up with a Mount Rushmore, an all-time get-off-the-bus team in UGA history, a Mount Rushmore of dudes that you want to get off the bus in front of the other team. Okay, mm. mm. you, you, you see what you see where I, I'm going. I see with? what you're going. Let me explain something to you. Three of those dudes are linebackers slash safeties. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Their names are Odell Thurman, Hello. Boss Bailey, Hello. and Thomas Davis. Okay? But one of those dudes is a tight end. <laughs> and his name is Leonard Pope. Mm-hmm. Leonard Pope is the first guy you send off the bus if he's on your team. Because you want to talk about people who don't fit. This man was the nastiest looking man I've ever seen. Six six seven, two fifty five. Hello. And it was the body fat percentage, Clint, was not even measurable. Nah. They couldn't even get a reading on him. Because this man was six seven, two fifty five of just absolute chiseled out of granite. Uh Leonard Pope is the most intimidating offensive player to ever play at UGA. That being said, he's not he doesn't belong on Mount Rushmore because because again he saved a boy from drowning, which listen, you can't that, that's great. Daniel, you are okay. stuck eating cheese dip and tacos and he's out saving people from death. Yeah, well I don't belong on the Mount Rushmore of UGA tight ends either, Clint. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not putting me over him. I, he did not make the cut for me. That's foolish. And I will go to I will go to another name on my list that did make the cut, and that's the name that I thought you were going uh-huh. to because listen, stats are not all that matters, but but stats do matter in this. And and so when you're talking about the Mount Rushmore, you have to at least consider, and in this case, I believe you have to at least include the most prolific tight end in the history of UGA, um, which is Orson Charles. There you go. And so. Uh, he's my third name on my Mount Rushmore. Now listen, I will grant you that a lot of Orson Charles' statistical success has to do with Aaron Murray yeah. and Mike Bobo. Yeah. Okay? Listen, Orson Charles played at UGA during a season when Aaron Murray and Mike Bobo were just lighting people up. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just out here we're just out here hanging a fifty piece on LSU during Orson Charles' career. And that's you're going to yeah, you're going to catch a lot of balls. But he did. He caught 94 balls for 1,370 yards. He caught 10 touchdowns in his three seasons in Athens. Um, he was an all-SEC player two different times. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he, he he was, you know, he's another guy in this mold. Again, this goes back to why Randy McMichael, to me, is the best tight end in the history of UGA. Because all these guys we're talking about, Ben Watson, Leonard Pope, Orson Charles. These are guys that came along in what I would consider the UGA tight end dynasty mm-hmm. that came that Randy McMichael started. But uh yeah. Also, the greatest thing Orson Charles ever did, Clint, and it's not even close. Mm-hmm. The greatest thing Orson Charles ever did 
is he broke Urban Meyer's national championship trophy when he was on a recruiting visit to Florida. And that's there's nothing he could do on the field negatively that could take him off Mount Rushmore in my mind. Because he went down to Gainesville on a catfish recruiting visit pretending to be interested in going to the University of Florida uh, when he knew he was coming with Aaron Murray. Oh, yeah. When he was making that exodus from Florida up to Georgia. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he just said, what's this What's this shiny football thing over here? And then he just drop kicked it right off the stand. Oh, hi. Is how I remember it going down. Oh. Yeah. And Urban Meyer had to smile and pretend like it wasn't a big deal because he was trying to recruit the kid with all of his integrity. Uh, so that's the greatest thing Orson Charles ever did. And that alone. Forget the 1,300 yards. doesn't matter. Forget the 10 touchdowns. That alone gets you on my Mount Rushmore. Orson Charles, uh, that gets you on my Mount Rushmore of just people. Just good on you for yeah. for stomping on Urban Meyer's fraudulent life. I applaud you, mm-hmm. sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel, well is, that, is that your fourth? No, I got yeah, one you more. Got one more. You... Is, that, is Orson Charles on yours? <coughs> my fourth is, is, he... is Orson Charles. It's... it's you're right. Got it. Prolific uh, leader in yards for touchdown, uh, or for tight end. Sorry, leaders in, in um, all time UGA yards receiving for tight end. Orson Charles, uh, imposing figure, great blocker. All of these guys too, by the way, are not just your flex them out, get a couple of passes here and there, why pop guys. These are inline blockers. Uh, oh, absolutely. That that love getting nasty on the offensive line. So Orson Charles, last member of Mount Rushmore tight ends for me. For my last member of Mount Rushmore, I'm going to go, I'm going to hit you in the, I'm going to go back a little bit. Way back machine. Okay. It's not, it's not, it's not all the post Randy McMichael era. I'm going to go pre Randy McMichael here. I'm going to take you back to old Richard Appleby. Okay. Richard Appleby. Listen, let me just lay this out for you, Clint. <laughs> is it a common thing for a tight end to lead a team in receiving yards? Uh, is that a is that a thing that happens regularly? I think if that's happening on the regular, you got a lot more problems than you know. What about 50 years ago when tight ends were basically offensive linemen and that's it? Yeah. Did was it was it was it really common 50 years ago for who, who was basically a second tackle on your team to lead the team in receptions? Was that a common occurrence? Yeah, when the fly sweep was every play you got motion and the wishbone was the most popular thing, the greatest new invention to hit the field. Yeah. But Georgia fans, a tight end has led your team in receiving nine different times in the history of the program. Okay. So, nine different times. Six of those times were by six different players. Mm-hmm. And three of those times were by one dude. And his name was Richard Appleby. Richard Appleby led this team in receiving yards three years in a row as a tight end. Mm. That's insane, mm. Clint. That's insane. He accounted for 28% of the team's total yards from 1973 to 1975. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just said 28%, and normally that number that, comes alongside like a like an all-purpose back, Daniel. 
That's over a quarter of the team's yards were his. Okay, and you said all-purpose back. P.S. He averaged ten yards per carry oh. on that oh. on that end around that he ran. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Gus Malzahn is still looking um, for the next Applebee. He's he's out there recruiting the next guy right now because Gus is trying to resurrect those tapes and bring it back. Uh, but this was this was back in a day, people where. Uh, this was unheard of. I mean, this is like Antonio Gates going back to the seventies. Yeah, you know, this is this is ridiculous. Absolutely, absolutely. He also threw one of the most famous touchdown passes uh, in UJ football history um, uh, that still gets talked about and shown on video boards around Sanford Stadium. Uh, Richard Appleby, man, this is an all conference dude. This is an all SEC. Dude, um, and he was he was one of a kind for a long time before UGA became tight end. You, he was a dude that was not like his peers mm-hmm. around him. So, mm-hmm. give me Richard Appleby for the fourth name on my Mount Rushmore. There it is, Daniel. We we got our next installment of Mount Rushmore. Uh, we have a couple there of positions is. left to go. Uh, DB. And we'll be back to the defensive side of the ball uh-huh. next week. Uh-huh. Which, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, the what we have left, defensive back, lineman, uh, already. Are we going to separate corner and safety? I feel like we have to, Daniel. I feel like we have to. How can you not? I can't, I can't come I up feel with like four we if we included corner and safety in one category. I couldn't come up with a four. I'd break all the rules. Yeah. So we got corner, safety, and defensive lineman. Left defensive lineman. My that's gonna be a bear. Good man. That's gonna be a bear. Already in your uh, head, listener, and then, you're already thinking about the names that could go on that list, and you're you're not listening to me right now because you're just running down a dream scenario mm. of incredible, incredible players, and it's not gonna stop for a while. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Clint, huh. don't worry. All we have left is wide receiver. Huh. Have there been any good ones of those mm. to come through? Uh, oh, and what's that other position that we haven't done on the offensive side of the ball that we're that we're sort of saving because we're scared of it? I'm scared because we're legitimately scared of of the running back conversation. Daniel and I may come to an agreement where we can't choose the same four on Mount Rushmore just to get all the people we want to. Maybe we'll just combine our Mount Rushmore like we have eight choices and we're gonna divvy them out. In like a lotto kind of situation. Like our final four picks, yeah. kind of. Like, like our, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be brutal. So we got we got several positions to go before we jump off the podcast today, Clint. Though we were we would be remiss if we did not revisit mm-hmm. our conversation about the worst fan base in the SEC. We we neglected to do this last week. And I'm sure the listeners were outraged. They were outraged, Daniel. I can't even the hate mail that we've been receiving. Look, guys, Daniel doesn't uh, get because the hate of this. Mail. Uh, it comes directly to me, and my fragile ego can't handle it. Can you just can you stop stop at me? In lieu of hate mail, could you leave us a five star rating and a review <laughs> on Apple Podcasts? Um, no, let's get back into that. Um, just to recap for the listeners. 
so far, we have said we're we're going through the worst, the grossest fan bases in the SEC, which we have previously ranked. Yeah, and we are taking our rankings of the grossest fan bases in the SEC, and now we are l- naming the single grossest thing about each one of those fan bases. At number thirteen, we had Mississippi State, and we talked about the grossest things about Mississippi State. Uh, at number twelve, mm-hmm. we had Texas A and M. And Clint and I talked about the grossest things about Texas A&M. When we revisit this list for this coming year, I guarantee you skyrocketing stock in Texas A&M grossness. Just Texas A&M is on the up and up when it comes to being gross. Yeah. Uh, this episode, we are moving on to bigger and better things. We are moving on to Missouri. The 11th grossest fan base in the SEC as voted on by us. Not Clint. even the most well-known Tiger within their own conference. Uh, no. Daniel. No. What, um, what's the grossest thing about Mizzou, Daniel, that you can say? Um, Mizzou is a tough one. It is. Because, you know, there are those two years. When they won the SEC East, when the SEC East was an absolute uh, just dumpster fire of a division. Truly the worst division in college football for a couple of years. Don't just own it. Just own it, Georgia fans. And Mizzou won the SEC East uh, a couple of times. And they talked a lot during those couple of years. That's why they're higher on my list than a team like Mississippi mm-hmm. State. Or, because in general, Mizzou is a very nondescript fan base. Okay? There's not a lot going for Mizzou. But when I... And this was solidified uh, two weeks ago when I was at the SEC basketball tournament. Yeah. Uh, and Georgia played against Mizzou. Maybe you recall. Had nothing to do with what I saw out there on the court had nothing to do with Kuanzo Martin or any of the Mizzou Tiger players. It had to do with the Tiger itself, Clint. I looked across I looked across the arena and my son who's sitting next to me, Asher, you may have known you may remember him from earlier episodes of the podcast. Asher leans over to me and says Asher is a pretty well-versed sports fan for an eight-year-old, okay? This kid knows more about sports than than many of the people that I know. He leans over to me and goes, Dad, what's that? (laughs) And I said, I don't know. What are you talking about, son? Is there uh, whatever? And he said, why did that person come to the game in a costume? (laughs) Now, listen. My son knows what mascots are, okay? Just, again, need to be clear, earlier that night, he had said, look, Dad, there's Harry Dog, okay? This is not a, like, paradigm-shifting he... understanding of reality. He understands nope. that, that grown nope. people put on the, don these for the excitement of the crowd. Okay, all right. But he saw this mascot, and he literally thought some guy had just shown up to the game in a homemade tiger suit because, Clint, it looks like some guy just showed up in a homemade tiger suit. It looks like my great aunt sewed this thing together last night in her basement with just leftover yellow and black doilies that she had laying around. 
Like there are there are holes in it. It's wearing in places. The tiger is legitimately cross-eyed. <laughs> like he looks like a, like a uh, sort of a lovable loser doofus cartoon character tiger. Yes. Like that's exactly there is nothing menacing about him. The costume does not, and I use the word costume intentionally from here on out. That is, this is not a mascot. This is a a person in a costume. The costume in no way fits the individual who's wearing it. I don't know if regular bro was sick, and so they had to just call in a middle schooler or something, but it is literally like drooping off of him like freaking Dan Mullen's pants. <laughs> okay, do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> the egg... <laughs> I never thought in a million years we'd ever get to Dan Mullen's pants. Oh, you knew we were getting to Dan Mullen's pants, man. You knew we were going to talk about those sagging pants. Listen, the excess material on this costume could clothe an entire village of people in the third mm-hmm. world. All right? it It is the absolute dumbest, grossest looking mascot I've ever seen in my entire life. But Clint, there's more. Wait for it. I have more to say. Do you know what the tiger's name is, Clint? Okay, hold on. Let me. Uh, <clears throat> is is there alliteration to it? There is an alliteration okay. to it. Yes. So it's not Tony. It's not Tony. No, that would be copyright infringement. Right. The University of Missouri would be sued for all of its money. Which, which, ah, uh, well. Who even knows? Know. Who even knows what's going on there? Uh, uh, Tyrone, toenail, Tiggy, <laughs> turtle. Nope. <laughs> no. Nope. All of these might be better. Um. Yes. So the the tiger's name is Truman the tiger. Okay. Okay. Would you like a brief history of the of the Missouri mascot Truman the Tiger? I want I want it, Daniel. Okay. In 1890, soon after the Missouri, first Missouri football team was formed, an athletic committee adopted the nickname Tigers to officially uh, in official recognition of a group of local Civil War militia called the Missouri Tigers. Okay. So, point one: the mascot's named after a group of Civil War. Uh, hold on to uh, your pants. This is going to go downhill in a hurry. <laughs> Point two. Um, uh, for hang on, let me do some quick math. For ninety-four years. Okay. Do you know what the name of the tiger oh was? Gosh. Uh, tiger the tiger. <laughs> His name was. <laughs> its its name was Tiger. The Tiger. Okay? In 1984, the school decided enough was enough with Tiger the Tiger. And so, do you know how they came up with the name Truman? Clint? Maybe you would ask yourself, did Harry S. Truman go to the University of Missouri? That's, that's what I asked that's a myself. Fair question. No, he did not. Okay. No, he did not. He was, however, born in Missouri. So they just... Which is the same state as them, but wait. That's not how they got to the name Truman. They got to the name Truman because they had a contest where the student body was allowed to vote. 
and the winner was a was a student who submitted the name Truman, and they just thought it sounded good. That's the history. That's the rich tradition of Truman, the grossest-looking mascot in the history of football, <laughs> the Tiger. So let me get this straight. Daniel and I have a rule in life that while we root for these dogs in college sports all day long, uh, our emotional well-being will never be tied up into the decisions of teenagers. This, this is a, a, a rule we have. What you're telling me, Daniel, is for the past 35 years, yes. the University of Missouri has said to themselves, we don't, we don't know a thing about a thing. We just no. need other people to tell us what to think. And those other people may or may not be eligible for insurance on car rentals. And they're going to dictate everything. That's correct. To be fair, when the... When the university itself tried to do this, they came up, they with, the came up with the name Tiger the Tiger. Okay. <laughs> then you know what, Missouri, stu- so, Missouri student? Good on you. You you improved. You cannot say unequivocally you, you improved your university. Good on you. Yep. Yep, that's the dumbest thing. That's the grossest thing uh, about the university. That mascot is that's hideous. foul. That is awful. Foul is the correct term. Daniel, mine is in a similar vein. The grossest thing about Missouri fan is how cutting edge they think they are when they are 20 to 30 years behind everyone else. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when you get $5 or free free Coke bottle admission to see a collegiate game... <laughs> Sitting. That's right. Bring a bring a bring a canned food. Bring a canned item. food, and you get to sit on the lawn. And there's no fence. Oh, there was there was no oh, the fence lawn. between the lawn and the end zone. It just was like a cone. They said out there, and they said, "Yep, hey, just so y'all know, you you can't come past this cone, okay? Please, thank you. Please don't. That's it. Please refrain from throwing the frisbee until halftime." <laughs> And then, and then they just do whatever they want. The grossest thing is last year Todd McShay had to climb his scrawny backside up a scaffolding to the top. I'll never forget him getting in that crane. Todd McShay, because the, there's now a new stadium, and when I say new, all I am referring to is every other school's standard stadium. Missouri is now promoting their standard stadium. As new and all they're doing is putting concrete all the way around inst- instead of three quarters of the instead way of open lawn. That's what they're doing. I believe what happened was the University of Missouri, like somebody from Missouri, just happened to be going up to Ohio, and they were like, oh, "I'm going to visit the horseshoe. I'm going to go I'll visit the horseshoe." And then they said, "Hey, wait a minute." Wait a minute. The upper deck only goes three quarters mm-hmm. of the way around, but the mm-hmm. The lower stands, mm-hmm. they go all the way around here. You know, I, I wonder. I wonder if our budget crisis if... can be solved if we just didn't complete the circle. <laughs> what does that do for us? <laughs> um, but I love how Mizzou oh. thinks they are just so cutting edge, even with their new the logo. That's I don't know how many years new. That looks not traditional. Mm-hmm. Just no class. Uh, I think their logo should just be a, like an emoji of this tiger, of Truman the tiger, like with his tongue sticking out or something. Just googly eyes and. 
Hey guys. We need to start. Look at me. We need to start. Gosh, video. Why does Dan Mullen not coach for Missouri? Oh, why is Dan? Hey, like, listen here. Listen here. The old ball coach went went up to South Carolina after his tenure in Florida. We yeah, we got hope right. after when Florida when Florida runs Dan Mullen out of town. Go get you a job in Mizzou, bro. And you know that's where you belong. The first picture he's going to do is just embracing the the bad Santa Claus version of mascots. Yep. You got all old what's his yep. name in Bad Santa just drinking on the job. Yep. That, you know that mascot had to get some liquid mm-hmm. courage to get into that suit. Goodness, I mean he had to he probably had to wear like one of those inflatable sumo suits to even find his way into that. Like it's like just, a malnourished I'm telling tiger. you it really is. It's sad. Really, the sheer quantity of fabric just drooping dragging across the floor. By the way, <laughs> Who has yellow and black doilies? My aunt. My mom. She just, you ain't never been to my great aunt's house. She's got, she's got yellow and black doilies for days. She probably made that. Probably made that mask uh, all right, Daniel. Thus concludes everything we want to do. I'm going to end on this <clears throat> because I'm just warning you, Daniel. This is Please this do. is for you <clears throat> as well as our listener. Shots fired here. Uh, I, Look I am. If you're calling it WWE, get off his lawn. Get off my trying to lawn. Say. WWF, <laughs> y'all. Uh, Hitman Hart, may he rest in peace. Um, no, Daniel, I read an article that n- no one is helping temper my expectations for N'Kobe D. No. No one in the no, world they're not is saying, no, they're not I got to take your keys, young no. man, because you can't be trusted to drive right now. Uh, no, I I read no. another article, uh, and the headline was N'Kobe Dean, the next Roquan Smith, and stop. Daniel. Stop I it. just stop just that. fair warning to all. Stop I, that. I can't be stopped. Yep. I won't be stopped. I can't help myself. Uh, all right, listeners, if you're if you're out there, our regular listeners to the show, just reach out to me on Twitter. Let's help. Let's start planning an intervention for Clint. Please do. Uh, It'll be fine. We'll all get together in his in his house. He'll he'll walk in. We'll surprise him. We'll just there's something's got to be done. We got we got to help this man. Okay, we got to help this man. He's on a he's on a trajectory for depression. It really is. Which AKA he is a UGA fan. So, so, so by actually by the end of the intervention, the roles will have flipped, and I will convince you all. To be on my bandwagon. Yes, and we will all jump off the cliff with you willingly because we're all idiots. What are we doing with our <laughs> lives? That being said, we'll be back next week yeah, we will. to continue being idiots and talking about more spring practice, more Mount Rushmore, more grossest fan bases of all time. We will talk to you then. See ya.